This is Canvas, a show all about iPad productivity. My name is Fraser Spears, and I'm joined as always by Federico Vitici. Hello, Fraser. Hey, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm not too bad at all. Not too bad at all. Uh, looking forward to this uh, second part of mm-hmm. our uh, to-do lists series. I know you've been looking forward to the to the second app that you want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, this is this is my turn. <laughs> um, the feedback has been good so far. I think I was kind of worried that to-do list is one of these things where you, you bring it up and suddenly I'm just like, why didn't you talk about my to-do list application? And actually people have been pretty good with their feedback so far, but we do have a little bit of follow-up from, from the last show because there were a few things. Because this is quite a kind of complex area and a lot of features going around, there's a couple of things I just wanted to follow up on uh, about what we said, mostly about reminders last week. And the first one is just to say that it is possible. We said that it wasn't possible to share a reminders list outside of using iTunes Family Sharing, but it actually is. If you go into the options for the list itself, you can then add somebody to share the list with. So that's one uh, feature that I had actually sort of skipped over because it is kind of buried a couple of levels down in the UI, but uh, you can actually add people to an individual list and then that list is shared. And it doesn't have, to, it just has to be anybody's Apple ID, I think. It doesn't have to be uh, somebody in your family. Uh, so that's yep. that's useful. Yep. And they also, uh, the, the emails and the tweets that we got, they also mentioned the Siri integration. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, if you use a third-party app uh, that doesn't, of course, have native Siri integration on iOS, uh, there are still some workarounds to capture reminders saved from Siri into a third-party app, like Things by Culture Code, for example. Mm-hmm. And usually these apps, they work around this limitation by... Um, integrating with reminders so they ask you for direct access to your to your reminders database and they read uh new reminders added to a specific list so using siri you can say uh create new reminder in my things list and for example things can go look into that list and import reminders into the app of course it's a you know, it's a it's a basic uh, workaround. It it works for I would say normal tasks. So you're not able to create more complex metadata for tasks or to attach uh, more specific settings. But it's a you know a good way for uh, to use Siri to to save these tasks into uh, into third party apps until you know hopefully someday we'll get a proper uh, Siri kit extension to uh, support different task managers uh, because even in iOS 10 it won't be possible for uh, to do apps and task managers to integrate with Siri natively because it's limited to other domains of integrations um, speaking of reminders I also wanted to mention that it's possible to automate reminders on iOS 10 with the if app from ift um, it, this app lets you lets you create new reminders it also lets you uh, read reminders that have been added to the app, which you can use in some interesting ways. For example, again, speaking of serial automation, uh, you could, for instance, uh, keep the if app installed and let it run in the background with background refresh turned on uh, to see when a new reminder is created, added to another service using IFTTT. And I've been trying to automate this with Todoist. And I've been running some experiments. My idea was I create a new reminder with Siri and then I let I let if take a look at that reminder and send it to Todoist. My, my idea was I can send the title of the reminder to Todoist as a task name and I want to send the note 
of a reminder, so not a note in the notes app, but the note field of a reminder. I want to send that as the natural language input for a date. I was disappointed when I realized uh, using Siri, you cannot dictate uh, the note field of a reminder. So what I wanted to do is uh, add a new reminder, for example, uh, use call Fraser as a title, and then include a note field that says tomorrow at 5 p.m. So to do is, when it sees the note field from reminders, it parses that data and it turns it into a date, a due date for the task. But it's not possible to attach a, a note field to reminders, Fraser. Huh. I'm, really, I'm really sad about this. So what I'm considering now... Uh, I actually don't know why I didn't think of this before, but to use Siri to save um, new calendar events into a specific calendar okay. that I hide from view in the calendar mm. app, and then I, I can use Zapier to parse the data from the calendar event, the Google calendar event, uh, so I can take the title, use it as a Todoist task title, and take the date and time and use it as a due date. It's probably what I'm going to do. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, that could, that could probably work quite well because you're yep. using the the structure of the, the calendar item as, exactly. the, as the data and then extracting the actual task from the calendar item rather than the other way around. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm planning to do. I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> this is uh, increasingly, you know, uh, chewing gum and string all the way along, but it's uh, <laughs> we're getting there with this stuff. So today we're going to talk about... Uh, we're going to talk about two apps, again, taking our approach of one kind of heavyweight application and one more lightweight application. And as you might expect, the heavyweight application is OmniFocus. Uh, and I think there's, there's a little bit of our personality and our, and our practice coming mm -hmm. through in this, Federico, because, of course, uh, to do this is your choice and OmniFocus is my choice. But this is not to say that they're not, of course. You've also mentioned things uh, from Cultured Code and To Do is, is one I know you've used in the past as well. But OmniFocus is kind of one of the big beasts of the task management arena, both on iOS and on the Mac. And of course, OmniFocus started as a Mac app in 2008 and over the years has kind of migrated onto iOS, firstly as, a, as an iPhone-only app, and then an iPad app came along and then it became a universal application uh, for all uh, iOS devices. And then, so there's a Mac application and an iOS application. And it's kind of part of a whole system because also uh, OmniFocus has, of course, a Mac application, iOS application, and an Apple Watch application now as well. And all of these things kind of work together, but a big part of my personal move to iOS was the fact that OmniFocus has kind of, on iOS, has become a kind of complete solution by itself. You don't actually need the Mac app to get the most out of your OmniFocus system. There are only a very few things that you can only do on the Mac app that you can also do on the iOS app, and we'll, we'll talk about some of them as we go on. But basically, if you were to come to OmniFocus new as an iOS-only person, you could get the full use of almost everything in the entire system just by using the iOS portions of the OmniFocus suite of products, if you like. So it's a very... Uh, it's a very good candidate for the kind of iOS only lifestyle that we talk about in this show because it doesn't, it, it has all the features that you need uh, except for one or two small things which we'll talk about as we go on. So, OmniFocus is, has always been one of these kind of applications that has, it's rich and it's complex, but it doesn't really, uh, how can I put it? It doesn't lead you through itself very mm -hmm. well. You know, it, it, the, the number one criticism of OmniFocus all the time has been uh, it's too complex and yeah. I don't understand how to get started. So it, 
one of the things that I think is important to understand about OmniFocus is that it's a very kind of doctrinaire app designed around the methodology called Getting Things Done, which is a book by David Allen from a number of years ago that advocates a, a very particular approach to task management and project management in your life and, and work style. And OmniFocus is very much built around that. So I'm not saying you need to read Getting Things Done to get the use out of OmniFocus, but I think in order to get the best out of OmniFocus, you need to at least have a, a pretty strong appreciation of the moving parts of getting things done because OmniFocus is very much built around that. And I personally have been doing GTD since about 2002 when I first read the book. Wow. So, I mean, what is that, like 14 years now? Um, now, I say I've been doing it. I've been doing it with, with greater or lesser levels of subtlety and commitment over those years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but OmniFocus was one of the things, you know, I mean, I started doing GTD with... I mean, what kind of technology did I have at the time? I think I had an HP uh, a pocket PC computer to start with, probably, with for that. Um, but as OmniFocus has come to the Mac and then the iPhone, it has really kind of unified all of that stuff for me. And I've definitely strayed from both OmniFocus and GTD, and I've tried doing GTD with other applications, and I've tried using OmniFocus in a kind of less GTD fashion. But I always end up coming back to both of those as as not not perfect, and of course not for everyone, but certainly uh, to a tool and a methodology that really for me fit together pretty well and let me cope with you know a, a large amount of things to do in my life. So, uh, just to mention briefly for people who aren't familiar with GTD, the basic parts of of the of the methodology are the idea of having an inbox, which is where you put everything that comes comes in, and then you then process it from there into either projects, individual tasks, or what are called contexts. We'll talk about context later on. And if you want to sort of do GTD as close to the book as possible, you're going to find that OmniFocus has some of the least friction of many of the different applications when trying to implement it. And you can certainly do GTD with Todoist or to do with to-do or things. Yeah. Uh, but I, th- I think just the naming and the appearance of a lot of things in OmniFocus are very much connected to uh, the way that GTD sort of recommends that you do things in your life. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, you can follow the the basic uh, the basics of GTD in Todoist, for example. Uh, I think it lends itself well to that sort of practice, but it, it's always felt to me like OmniFocus, I wouldn't say it's more religious about it, but maybe it's more strict in the implementation of GTD and following the GTD principles. That's at least the idea that I got. Yeah. No, I, I would agree with you on that. I mean, you can certainly use OmniFocus as a kind of, like, I've got one list of tasks and I just tick them off, that's fine. It does work that way, but it's it's got all that power. If, if you need to build context and then for me, the, the big thing is, we'll talk about later, this idea of perspectives, like saved searches, and be able to surface the things you want to see when you want to see them, which is a big kind of principle of GTD, is not to look at things that you cannot do at times when you cannot do them. Yeah, yeah and, and OmniFocus really has a lot of power for, for doing that kind of thing. So just to kind of dig into some of the key strengths of OmniFocus, and for me, one of the biggest things is that Omni as a company are... They're a long time, you know, next step and then Mac and now iOS development house. And one of their greatest strengths for me has always been that their apps always feel very native. And and in a world where many such systems are built as web apps and backends, and then you get sort of thin, more or less thin or thick native shells around yeah. a web service, 
OmniFocus always feels like a real native iOS app or a Mac app because it actually is. Um, so as we talked about last week, Federico, um, Todoist is kind of a web service and then it has you know dozens of clients for all different platforms. And those clients are more or less true to the platform. Uh, OmniFocus is individual native applications with local storage yeah. and a syncing service. So it's more in the kind of Apple style of cloud services rather than the Google style, which is native applications accessing a cloud service. It's more like local applications that sync through the internet. Um, and one of the reasons that some, one of the things that that gets you is it gets you all the things you would expect in a modern iOS app, a good share sheet extension, a today widget, rich keyboard support on iPad with an external keyboard. That's something that they've, the, all the Omni applications really do a great job of in OmniFocus. is It's not quite as keyboard navigable as the Mac version, let's say, but it's pretty close. And, and for an iOS app, it's really, really uh, well done. And of course, an Apple Watch app. And this is something that for me, when I started using the Apple Watch, OmniFocus was like just the number one thing I wanted on my Apple Watch. And uh, Omni really did a good job of that. And I think what I felt about the early Apple Watch applications, I don't know if you think the same, Federico, is that if you were a really, really, really good iOS developer, you could mm-hmm. make a pretty good watch app. But if you were not at like a top tier, very experienced software developer, it was just so difficult to make a performant Apple Watch app that many people didn't quite manage that. But Omni certainly did manage that. And the Omni Focus app was really uh, very solid on the watch from day one. And it's been, I guess for me, one of the main reasons why I've worn the Apple Watch as regularly as I have over the the period that I've had it is because OmniFocus has always been there and having calendar and to-dos right on the on the watches is really great for me. Yeah, do, do you use the, the Apple Watch much for like task management? I mean, I guess it's, it can be useful to like quickly check off tasks, but do you also create tasks on the, on the watch? Uh, not, I wouldn't say so much create on the watch. No, uh, you can do it. You can force press on the screen and then you can dictate a, a, a to-do item into the watch. But I, I very rarely do that, mainly because when I create a task, I want to capture as much detail as I can. And just, just the name of it's not enough. I want to maybe put in a due date or I want to send it to a project or something like that. Uh, and you can't do all of those things on the watch. But uh, there's a complication for the watch and also what you can do on the watch app, and this is very cool, is you can say, OmniFocus is this idea of perspectives, like saved searches. You can choose a saved search to also show up on the watch. So you can also like pull a subset out. And the way I've typically done that is I have a, a subset that says, anything that is flagged or due today, go on the watch. So I've kind of got my daily to-do list, which is a subset of everything in the database. And that's just right there on the watch, which is, is super helpful. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's talk about actually like doing the job on iOS. Yes. You know, managing to-dos and OmniFocus. Uh, you know, tasks themselves are quite simple things, right? But the question is, how do you manage them correctly, right? So an OmniFocus task is very similar to many other task applications. You can have a title and a note of arbitrary length text. Uh, URLs are detected and made clickable and so on. You have a flag on OmniFocus, so you don't have tags as such, but you do have a flagged or unflagged. You can estimate duration, due date, and a repeat rule. And you can also have image attachments or audio recordings attached to every individual task, but not exactly files in the way that Todoist would support it, for example. And as per GTD, tasks can also have a project and a context. So you can set project and context on every individual task, 
uh, and then all these other kind of standard task things like uh, duration and, and due date and so on. But the genius part of OmniFocus, and this is the thing that I have loved since forever and continue to love and completely depend on, is the fact that you can defer a task until a specific date. Mm. And what this means is that you can basically say, this task does not become active until this date. And when it becomes active, then it will show up in your searches. It will uh, it will appear in your flagged list if the task is flagged or the due dates or whatever. So, for example, um, recently, you know, uh, we we're big rugby fans in our family, and I was trying to track when it was going to be possible to book tickets for what are called the Autumn Internationals in rugby. Their uh, teams come from all over the world to play in Scotland, England, Ireland, and Wales over the course of sort of November, December. And I wanted to make sure I got these tickets, but I didn't know when they were going to go on sale. So what I would do is I would have a task that came back every two weeks to check when the, when the sale date came out. But then I then didn't want to actually have the task to buy the tickets until the, the day came along. So what I would do is once I knew what date it was going to be, I would create a task that said buy tickets for Scotland Rugby and set it to be due on the day the sale started but I would also defer it until either that day or maybe the day before just to bring it back to mind in time. So I'm looking at all my tasks and I don't constantly see buy tickets for Scotland Rugby because that that task isn't doable until the sale starts, right? So you can this is super, super useful. And so many times this comes around, particularly if you do a job like mine as a teacher where um, there are kind of very structured phases to your year and to your work. So there are things like um, I... I want to put out a letter to parents about uh, preliminary exams that we're going to do, but I don't do that until uh, October time, let's say. So I'm going to put in a task that says, write a letter to parents about the exams, defer it until the 1st of October. So I'm not constantly worrying about this letter and having it thrown up in my face every day from August onwards because I can't do anything about it. I don't want to do anything about it until that time. So that's what defer in OmniFocus is all about. And it's super, super, super useful. Uh, the next thing that's really useful for managing to-dos in OmniFocus is that you can have three different kinds of repeat rule in OmniFocus. You can have a regular repeating thing, which just repeats from the day you create it. It repeats every week or two weeks or even a year or whatever it is. So maybe like renew your car insurance. That's something that happens every year on a regular schedule. But there's two other rules, and these are these are probably the most complicated parts of OmniFocus to understand, and I'm going to try and explain them. Uh, but I have spent, <laughs> what, maybe six years trying to completely get a grip of these rules. So forgive me if I make a small mistake. <laughs> you can repeat regularly. That's easily understood. That's tasks that happen on a regular schedule. Yeah. But there are two other kinds of repeat rule in OmniFocus. One is called defer again after completion. And one is called due again after completion. Okay. And whereas re- repeat regularly, right, what it does is it just creates a new version of the same task that is due however long away you say. Defer again and due again, create another version of the task, but the date that's put on that task depends on when you ticked it off, not when you created it, okay? So the task can be sitting there, it can be overdue or whatever, but then if you tick it off as being done, the next repeated version of the task only is gapped out based on when you ticked it off, not when you created it. So... For example, defer again is for tasks that you want to do, but you don't want to know about until a minimum amount of time has passed. Okay, yes. So my example is like getting a haircut, right? Yeah. So if you get a haircut on any day, 
you don't want another haircut the next day. No. Right? You're never going to want that. Unless it goes really badly wrong. <laughs> um, you're not going to want a haircut again the next day. So what you want is maybe, you know, I, I actually literally have this exact task in my to-do list. Um, and I set it to be, I defer it again for six weeks, right? So I don't want another haircut for six weeks, but it could be seven weeks. And that's okay. And then so say seven weeks pass, then I hit, okay, I've got my haircut. The next task is six weeks after the seven week period after the first one. Follow me so far? Yeah. It, it depends on when you tick it off. And due again is basically the same thing, but it's for tasks that have due dates rather than deferred dates. Okay. So due dates are for tasks that have a maximum amount of time between them rather than a minimum amount of time. So if I say um, empty the bin, I put the bin out, that's going to be due again seven days after I put the bin out last, let's say, if it's something that has to be changed every so often. Maybe em- empty the filter in the washing machine or something like that. That's something that has a maximum amount of time between them, whereas defer again is I don't want to see it for at least this period of time afterwards. So those are really powerful. If you can think up scenarios where they could be useful, those are incredibly powerful as part of your OmniFocus uh, system. Yeah, defer again seems really useful and really well done. I mean, the whole uh, defer feature in OmniFocus, it's something, you know, with start dates and deferring, something that you usually don't get in other in other apps. For, for Certainly not in Todoist. I know that Todo has some start date features, mm-hmm. but they're not as advanced as OmniFocus, I think. So, yeah. yeah, it's definitely one of the highlights of, you know, date, support for date, and times in, in OmniFocus. Yeah, it, it, it's, mu- it's a much more sophisticated practice Like in, in yeah. terms of like task management. It, it's much more sophisticated than just using fake due dates to drive your activity. Yeah, right, and yeah. I, I've, I've been guilty about this in the past as, as a kind of less sophisticated user, just saying, oh, well, I want this... I want this done in this period of time, so I'll make it due. It's not actually due, but I just, I'm telling myself it is, right? That's what I do yeah. with Todoist, actually. Yeah. I make it due like a couple of days ahead just to have the wiggle room to get it done by the real due date. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the kind of next level of task management or productivity is to say, well, I don't want to see this task until then, but then trusting yourself and your practice in the system to say, well, I know that if it comes live in that period, I will make sure that I see it. And I'll talk a little bit later about review as a different way to make sure that you do that in OmniFocus. But before I do that, Federico, I'm just going to talk a little bit about our sponsor for this week, if that's okay. Yes, for sure. This episode of Canvas is brought to you by Igloo. And work is no longer a location. Teams can be together half a world away. This podcast is done that way. Igloo is a modern internet designed to keep everyone on the same page. You can share files, have conversations in real time, and do it all while still being able to use the apps that you currently use. These are apps like Box, Google Drive, Skype, and so on. Igloo brings everything together and creates a single destination that lets you focus on your work. Put simply, Igloo is an intranet you'll actually like. You can try it today at igloosoftware.com canvas, and thank you so much to Igloo for their support of this show and Really FM. So... Federico, I'm going to give you a little more schooling on context and projects in GTD. I'm listening and ready to learn from the okay. master. Here we go. Okay. Right. <laughs> these, these are the fact that OmniFocus has native support for these two ideas is what makes it a GTD application. Basically, these are these two things: contexts and projects are the two main organizing principles in OmniFocus, as they are in GTD itself. And the idea 
the, the thing that I've come to realize about GTD over the past couple of years, honestly, having even done it for as long as I have, is that when you analyze your work, the key is analyzing it before you have to do it. And, and I've struggled with this over the years, but I, I'm starting to get it right now. Uh, you can obviously identify specific projects that have defined finish states, right? So, you know, complete this episode of Canvas or ship this newsletter for for this week or whatever. And those you know what those look like when they're done, okay? And then you break that task down into individual actions and you do the actions, right? You can't, one of the lines in the book is you can't do a project, you can only do an action, right? An action leads to the completion of the project. Now, a context in GTD is a kind of individual constraint that either prevents you from or enables you to get work done. And because GTD is kind of old, if you look at the original version of the book, it was written around things like, I'm at the office or I'm at home. And these were the kind of constraints that enabled you to do work. Now, of course, in the smartphone era, you can work anywhere you want. And this is one of the kind of parts of GTD that hasn't worn quite as well is the idea that, um, that there are constraints on work. As you know, Federico and I know as well, work just follows you around wherever these days. So, yeah. Um, Contexts have not aged so well. But some OmniFocus users, such as one, one of the writers that we're going to link to in the show, it's a guy called Sven Fechner, have suggested that modern contexts are actually more about time, energy and priority rather than physical access to your fax machine or, or your, uh, your uh, filing cabinet in the office or something like that. So... The thing about OmniFocus is you can basically create arbitrary context. You can say, some people might say, well, my context or uh, I'm at school or I'm not at school, or my context is I'm with this person, I'm with my boss, I'm with the head teacher, I, uh, and I need to talk to them about things, so I've got a context just for that. Or you might say, well, you know, here's short tasks, medium tasks, and long tasks, whatever you want. You can call them whatever you want. That's the nice thing about OmniFocus is nothing's really built in. And that's also the weakness of OmniFocus is that nothing's really built in and users kind of need a lot of help and a lot of thinking to get through that. But once you give a task a project in a context, you can actually filter out by each one of those. So you can either look at just projects or you can take a kind of horizontal cut across all your projects by only looking at the ones that have the same context. So in a way, you you can use a context almost like a tag in OmniFocus, but you can only have one of them per task. You can't have multiple. But for me, this is what makes OmniFocus such a kind of heavyweight ta- task manager is that you can uh, hide and show what you need as your work situation changes. So for for example, for me as a teacher, there are some things that have hard constraints. For example, if I have to talk to a pupil about something, I can only do that in school during the school day for example. So that's one way that I can filter when I'm at home. Things that I just simply can't do right now is I can't talk to a pupil, so um, I just don't want to see that task. And I'll just get rid of that by getting rid of that context when I get home. I'm following. I'm just, if you if you hear me being quiet, it's because I'm imagining the possible implementations because I'm always curious to understand. Uh, uh, and I feel like context, like especially for me personally, so I, I, I've been using OmniFocus uh, in the past, um, I was an OmniFocus user on on the iPhone, the iPad, and the Mac, and I've uh, I've always felt like con- the idea of context was the, the one that I struggled to grasp uh, the most. You know, uh, I couldn't understand understand the the difference between okay, is this is about location, is this is about like uh, projects in a way, or yeah. is this more about like the device where I get the the work done? So I used to have like context for. 
like iPhone or Mac, you know, for tasks that needed to happen at specific, uh, you know, devices in my in my everyday work. And then I switched to like project-based contexts. So I would have writing as a context or podcasting as another context, but they never quite clicked for me, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's, it's a matter of trying to figure out what it is that either helps you or stops you doing work. And I think for many people's work situation, that's really different now. It's not just, the reason I can't do work is not because I don't have a particular piece of paper here anymore. It's more to do with, for me, it's to do with, well, do I have like a lot of free time or do I have, I only have like 20 minutes till the kids come home and I've got something, can I pull something quick off my list? And if you just think about context as another another way to filter across projects rather than within projects, I think that can kind of unlock a new level of thinking for you in terms mm. of what, what context can do. So for me, I, I could say, well, you know, short tasks and then any task in any project that is called a short task, I, I could pull it out and do it if I just, I only want to see those. And that kind of leads me into talk about the next thing, Federico, which is filtering. And the the OmniFocus term for filters is perspectives. Yeah, these are really like. Yeah. And these are crazy powerful saved filters. And what they're not just saved filters, but they're also saved views because you can set in the not just which tasks appear in a content in a perspective, but which ta- how they're shown to you as well. So, for example, you can say, uh, "Show me all the tasks that match this filter in the project hierarchy." So you see a kind of restricted subset of all the projects that you have, or you can say, "Show me all the tasks uh, just in one huge big flat list." If you ever want to be really intimidated by your task list, just say, "Okay, show me everything that is," uh, and you can see everything that remains or everything that's currently active. Right, and that that active filter is works on, for example, uh, tasks that are deferred. So if a task is deferred, it's not active unless the deferred date has passed. So you can say, only show me tasks that are active, and that gets rid of all those things that you're going to do in the future that you have already decided that you don't want to see until then. So that's uh, those are some of the kind of ideas yeah. of things you could do with perspectives. Yeah, perspectives, I uh, I really like the implementation of OmniFocus. And in fact, my, my girlfriend, uh, she released a really successful icon set for... Um, OmniFocus 2, it's called Perspective Icons 2. It's the follow-up to the first icon set she did a few years ago for OmniFocus 1, and she did another one for OmniFocus 2. And, you know, so you can customize your perspectives for, like, different activities or uh, contexts even. And the, the idea of, you know, being able to create a custom view and to give it a custom icon, even if, you know, any custom icon, really. Uh, I I really feel like it's one of the best aspects of OmniFocus because it brings this visual approach to creating views, whereas in other, in other task managers, when you when you can create a custom view, such as a filtering view in Todoist, it's just a color, you know? Even in Todo, when you create a custom search, it's just a labeled uh, item in the sidebar with a custom color. So the, being able to have a custom icon that reflects your, you know, your, your, your visual engine in a, in a way, um, I, I feel like it makes the app more personal and more contextual, and it's really, really nice. Yeah, I... If I remember rightly, this is one of the things which you can only do on the Mac version of OmniFocus. Yeah. I don't think you can add those You can add those icons on iOS, but I think yeah. if you add them on the Mac, they do sync. 
Exactly. They yeah. do sync yeah. from the Mac to iOS, but you're not able to. Uh, and I brought this up with the Omni Group a bunch of times. <laughs> you're not able to yeah. to pick uh, to pick an icon from the even from the document picker. You know that would be mm-hmm. that would be nice. Yeah, you know, I, I think I actually am a customer of the, of that product as well, and I can vouch for it too. It's uh, it's very very helpful. No, oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just kind of to wrap up with OmniFocus, I mean, I mean, I think there, there's one other thing to talk about, which is the idea of review. And this is how in GTD, as a GTD practitioner, you make sure that you see the things that you need to see when you need to see them. And the way you do that is you review your lists. And OmniFocus has a kind of dedicated interface for doing that, which is really nice. It's got a button just in the bottom right corner on the iPad. So you can just kind of hold the iPad in your hands. You can just repeatedly hit this button as you go through all your tasks. But every project in OmniFocus gets a default review date, which I think is by default a week. I personally have it set to every day because then if I want to review something, I can just go ahead and review it. But in review, what it does is it just kind of coalesces together all your projects and it lets you see which ones have been reviewed and which ones haven't. And you can just mark them as reviewed. So you're basically just advancing that timestamp by however long it is again. So that's something that I, another reason that I like OmniFocus is because it has the GTD methodologies kind of built into its interface, including the idea of doing a weekly review. And and for me, that's become such an increasingly important part of what I do with, with task management is being able to just sit down and review that right there. Uh, and having that alongside, say, my calendar in a, in a two-up view on the iPad, super, super powerful. The the last thing to mention, and, and this is where I think OmniFocus is also very strong, is that there's a strong community around OmniFocus, uh, which I know there is for some other task managers as well, but you know, given how many there are in iOS, many of them are just standalone applications, but OmniFocus is a real community. And there have been several books written about OmniFocus as well. So if you are kind of struggling to wrap your head around them, there are a number of places you can go to get uh, either get started or get kind of unstuck with your issues. And I just wanted to highlight four just now, or five I think it is, and we'll, we'll put links to all of these in the show notes. But the first one, is basically the manual, right? Uh, read the manual. Uh, OmniFocus has, in fact, a book. The way that Omni are, are publishing their their manuals now is as iBooks in the iBook store. So you can get the manual in iBooks and you can have, again, two up. You can have your, your manual on one side of your iPad screen, OmniFocus on the other, and it's real. The, the learning that is built into those manuals is really, really good. Uh, so I would strongly recommend you start with the OmniFocus manual. There is also a website called Inside OmniFocus, which is a very interesting kind of collection of customer stories that Omni have gathered together. And there's lots of different ways in which people use OmniFocus and and show you how how they use it. And that's very useful too. There's also a forum for OmniFocus, forums.omnigroup.com. And that's very, very useful. That's often where Omni staff, people like Ken Case will, for example, uh, go in there and they will post uh, early ideas about what might be coming next in OmniFocus or really nerdy technical details about some of, the, for example, the automation stuff in OmniFocus, which is, is powerful too. There are also books. There's one called Creating Flow with OmniFocus by uh, an author called Kurosh Dini, which is a, a very long book. I actually have this book and it's, it's very long and detailed, uh, but it goes into some of the ideas about how you kind of create a psychological flow with OmniFocus rather than just how do you work the system. It's, it's, it gives you a bit more about why you might want to do this as well as just how you do it. And finally, just to mention, uh, David Sparks 
podcaster on this network and, and friend of uh, Mac users everywhere, has a video field guide. Now, you may have seen David's field guides on the iBookstore. This is actually a, a screencast field guide called uh, the OmniFocus Video Field Guide, and it's very useful too. Uh, it's about... Uh, several hours, I think, of, of screencast material just showing you how to do certain things in OmniFocus. Now, the thing to say about this is that most of those books are written around the Mac version of OmniFocus rather than the iOS version, but the, because there's, there's such a high fidelity across both applications, many of the ideas are basically the same in in both uh, iOS and, and Mac versions of them. So the, the, the ideas are applicable even if maybe the screenshots don't make as much sense to an iOS user as they would to a Mac user. Awesome. Thank you, Fraser, for the fantastic overview. Go. That that was a lot of information to take in all at once. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those shows you're going to listen to at 0.5x and not one and a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, OmniFocus is a huge, huge application. And it's a life's work to kind of master not not just the application, but your use of it as well. Because it's all GTD has a lot of kind of personal discipline in it as well as just it's not just if you use OmniFocus, you're going to be magically organized. It's absolutely not that. It's, there's a bit of both really in it. So I'm going to talk about something else completely, okay. like the exact opposite of OmniFocus. It's not even a task manager. It's mm -hmm. the Apple Notes app, uh, especially the Notes app since it's a major update with iOS 9. Uh, I know what you're thinking. It's not a task manager. It's not a to-do app. So why am I talking about it? Well, I, I, I think that Millions of people actually do use the Notes app as a basic daily personal task manager. Um, they don't go to reminders. They simply write down stuff they need to do in the Notes app. And the difference here to keep in mind is that these people, including me occasionally, uh, they don't necessarily need the structure of a task manager. They, they simply write down or paste or, you know, they create lists in an unstructured format and they use the Notes app as a, as a you know, as a collecting place for a lot of these bits of text and images that they want to go back to. And since, uh, since iOS 9, it's even easier uh, to, to kind of use the Notes app as a basic task manager. And it feels like Apple is catering to these users by, um, you know, making it, making it easier to format text in a specific way. Most notably, uh, since last year, Apple shipped two major, I would say two major changes uh, in relation to Notes as a lightweight to-do app. Uh, the first one is the ability to create checklists in the app. Uh, so in addition to creating bullets and numbered lists, you can create checklists that you can actually check off with a, you know, with a yellow uh, checkbox. And that's how I do my shopping every week. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's how I imagine millions of people actually do their shopping or, yep. you know, any other, any other task. Um, and you can also save any kind of item into, into notes, either as a new note or by appending it to an existing note at the bottom with the notes extension. And so when you consider these two major changes and the fact that the new notes app supports uh, text, of course, but also rich text and links with rich link previews and built-in images, which since iOS 9.3, if you include a lot of photos into a note, say, for example, that you're keeping a shopping list and the shopping list has a bunch of different media types. So it's got text at the top, it's got maybe a checklist in the same note, and perhaps you're also adding a few photos of, you know, t-shirts that you want to buy. Well, since iOS 9.3, uh, 
not only can you can you of course include images but you can also tap on an image and say I want to have a small preview so if you have a lot of photos into the same note you can switch from a almost full screen view you know from mm -hmm. a from a full resolution view to a small thumbnail view which save you saves you space so you can have a lot of media into the same note but without having to scroll and scroll for you know a lot of images you're, you're talking about small small thumbnails in in line with the rest of the document yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. so you I can grasp that yeah yeah you can tap and hold and the option is called the small images um, okay. and it's very convenient when you when you mix and match you know text and, and images in the same note uh, it's a more of a compact view so you know when you combine these from superior formatting tools with images and with the ability to create checklists and the fact that notes is very easy to use it integrates with iCloud and it uses the modern new iCloud system it's based on CloudKit so it's faster it's more reliable I've never actually had a uh, any sinking trouble or data loss in my experience, and I've been using it for more than a year at this point. Uh, it's it, it can be a solid tool for you know for to dos. Of course, there's no way to to add you know any task related metadata to notes. Uh, there's no date field. There's no you know uh, way to tag notes. Uh, they can only be organized in folders, and you cannot assign a note to a different person, for for instance. Uh, and that's, you know, because Apple wants to help users who want to use notes as a basic to-do, you know, app. But also, let's not forget that Apple makes reminders, which is where you get all of the task-related features, such as, you know, collaboration and dates. That said, there's a way to get around the limitation of uh, dates and notes. So using Siri, when you're looking at a note, um, if you bring up Siri and say, remind me about this, uh, you know, at a specific time, um, Notes is one of the apps that uses uh, the, under the hood, the NS user activity API okay. to tell Siri, this is what the user is doing. The user is looking at this note. So when you say, remind me about this, that this portion of the Siri command is the actual note you're looking at. So you will create a reminder in the Reminders app with a date and with a special link, with a special notes icon, that when you tap it, you'll go back to notes and you'll go back to viewing that individual note. Okay. So you're, you're talking about there about um, invoking Siri while you're actually using notes? Yeah. And then saying, remind me about this. So yeah. to make a link between a reminder and a note. Yeah. yeah. When you're looking at a, an individual note, bring up Siri, say, remind me about this day, tomorrow at 1 p.m., for example. And when the you will create a reminder with the special uh, notes icon. And when, you, when it's due and when you tap it, you'll go back to notes. It's a fun way to sort of, uh, you know, collect a bunch of information in the notes app, especially because you cannot do the same in reminders. Uh, and go back to that note as a... Let's as a as a to do, you know, at a later point. Mm -hmm. And I've been using it. I've been using notes a lot in my in my, you know, uh, for Mac stories, for Club Mac stories, for personal use. Um, it's no replacement for to do or to doist, obviously. But I feel like it's maybe in my case, it's not necessarily a to do replacement, as more of a to do companion. In the sense that, for example, I have a uh, two notes that I update every day and that I clear every Friday. 
these two notes are, uh, they're called app debuts and interesting links. And they are the apps and the, and the links that I mention in my newsletter every Friday. Instead of saving these links to a text editor, you know, as plain text, I save them with the notes extension into two separate notes. And the reason I do this is I can append link, uh, a link to the bottom of a note so I can, you know, I don't have to create a new text file every time. And also the link that I save in notes has a very nice visual preview with the title of the web page, with the featured image of the web page. So it's easy for me later to just go through all of my links, remember what they talk about and include them in my newsletter. In some ways, when you make to-dos or you make notes, the hardest thing in times in the future is to remember what you were thinking when you created that. And that's a, a nice way to kind of get the the richness there that you, you were thinking about when you first made it. Yeah, exactly. And I, I feel like I've been doing this for not just the links and, and apps that I want to mention in the in the newsletters, but also for sort of a of a crossover between my task manager and my text editor. For example, right now I'm writing my iOS 10 review and I'm writing it in Scrivener, as I talked about on Connected. Um, and sometimes when I'm not writing and when I'm not doing research, uh, I think of something or of a comment or a point or a feature that I want to mention in the article. But I don't want to save it as a task in Todoist because it would be too long, it would be too verbose. Uh, but I also don't want to open Scrivener because I don't have the time. So I just open notes and I start writing this quick thought that I have. Mm -hmm. So later... I can remember to to open this note, which is called iOS 10 Everything Else. <laughs> it's a very original <laughs> name. And I, I open this note and all of these thoughts and comments that I've saved, they're kind of like to-dos because I'm, I'm telling myself I need to remember to move them back into the, the review project in Scrivener later. So I, I feel like... Not in, in a way, it's, it's not a to-do app, it's not a task manager, but it can be used to, to be remembered, to, to, to remember what you need to do and to, to save information that it's not just a, that it's not a structured task, but maybe it's more freeform. You know, you're saving text, you're saving images, you're saving links. And looking ahead at iOS 10, I'm I'm really excited to see how you know collaboration uh, in Notes will be will be used by by multiple people at once. Notes is adding uh, support for iCloud collaboration. It lets you add uh, multiple people to the same note so they can collaborate on the same note at once. Uh, it's no real time collaboration like on Google Docs or Quip. You cannot see you know the uh, cursor indicator for another person typing in real time, but it's stable enough. Uh, it doesn't create any duplicates. I haven't seen any, uh, you know, sync conflicts, for example. And I, and I feel like it'll be really popular for shared shopping lists, grocery lists, you know, anything around the house can be shared with another person in notes, with family member in notes. And I think it'll be really popular. Uh, so, you know, Obviously, Notes is no replacement for a full-feature task manager, but maybe it can it can be this sort of in-between, 
you know, your task manager and, and other apps. I think one of the things about, to go back to kind of talking about GTD for a second, I think if you read the book about GTD, one of the things that is always emphasized is that you don't need a really comprehensive software solution to do GTD. You can do it on sheets of paper if you want to. Um, and it's really about the behaviors. And, and what OmniFocus really gets you is it gets you um, some software support for doing the behaviors more or more consistently or more thoroughly. But if you're good at kind of disciplining yourself, there's absolutely no reason why you couldn't build a GTD system out of notes. It would absolutely work as, as kind of virtual pieces of paper, if you like. Yeah. 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 So don't overlook notes. It's, uh, no. It, it's really starting to, I really feel like, you know, more and more I'm just hearing people say, well, I'm just using notes for that. I'm just using notes for that because of these iOS 9 features that have come along. And of course, if you've got iPad Pro as well, you've got Apple Pencil support in there. Yeah. Sketching, very, very rich. You know? Yeah. And so, I mean, with uh, with iOS 9.3, uh, mm-hmm. you also got the ability to save secure notes into the app. So yes, I'm, course, I'm keeping yeah. personal yeah. documents behind Touch ID authentication. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, whenever I need to open those documents, I can just, uh, you know, press my finger on the Touch ID sensor. Which, which is great for certainly at least a million people who use that to keep all their passwords in as well. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm if sure you're... There's, that number. there's a lot of people, including my mother, I think, they keep their passwords in, in notes, which is a terrible thing, but, you know, there's only so many times you can tell them to use one password after. After that, you'll be just like, whatever. Just yeah. <laughs> keep it get in notes. At, get, yeah. at least use a Touch ID. At least, at least make me believe you're trying, you know? Yeah. So it goes. So anyway, that will conclude our show on OmniFocus and Notes on iOS, two of our uh, heavyweight and lightweight task managers. We do have a member show coming up in August for for people who are really FM members. Just to explain a little bit about how that's going to work, uh, there will be like a new podcast feed to subscribe to with all the member shows in it. And our, our show will appear in there as well. So that will be advised to you over the course of August uh, for MD who is, is or becomes a Real AFM member in, in that time. You can find show notes for this show at relay.fm slash canvas slash 16. And you can connect with us at underscore canvas FM on Twitter. I'm Fraser Spears and Federico is Fetici. And we'll see you next time.